All right, welcome to episode 161 of the Jesus Famous Podcast. Uh, our podcast exists to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed. That's what Jesus Famous means to us. And we want to see that in your everyday life. I'm Nate Holdridge. I'll be hosting today. I'm also the pastor at Calvary Monterey on the California Central Coast, if you haven't joined us before. And if you've never been to our church, I preach about Jesus Famous on Sundays and like to write and podcast about Jesus Famous during the week at nateholdridge.com and right here for the podcast. Uh, this show consists of a lot of interviews and discussions and stories that we think will help propel you further into an appreciation of Jesus. So thanks for joining us. It's, um, I'm really blessed by what the Lord's doing with this uh, podcast right now. Um, on today's episode, uh, it's going to be a special one because I'm joined again by my bride, Christina. And uh, this is going to be a marriage episode. And um, by saying that, I'm not trying to say that if you're unmarried, you can't listen to this or anything like that. I personally, and I think I've talked about this plenty of times, believe that every Christian should be competent to counsel regarding uh, marriage, uh, know what a biblical perspective on marriage is, because all of us are the very least going to know Christians who are married. And if someone is married, it will end up being a, a, a pressure point in their lives at some point. So for all of us in the Christian community to be fluent in biblical marriage concepts, I think is a greatly helpful thing. So even if you uh, aren't planning on being married, don't even want to be married um, um, in the future, uh, I think this episode is still helpful for you. But obviously, uh, my wife and I are going to be talking about marriage for primarily people who are married and uh, really trying to encourage you. And what we're going to be talking about is a biblical vision for marriage, developing that and uh, probably just have some fun while we encourage you and probably each other. I know every time we sit down and talk about these things, it kind of encourages us to, to do and be the things that we're professing and preaching uh, even more. Uh, just so you know, we do like being married. Uh, but we also think that marriage is a gift that works best when properly understood. So we're going to get into the Bible a little bit to help us unpack a vision for what marriage should look like. And uh, my plan is to ask Christina a lot of questions. And I know a lot of you will be helped and encouraged by this episode. So thanks for listening. And before she comes on, I just want to give a couple of announcements on the front end of the episode. Uh, one of them is real simple. Um, as I said, I write a lot and record a lot and post a lot at nateholdridge.com. And a lot of you are already, um, you know, reading those things, following. If you're part of Calvary Monterey, for instance, uh, every Sunday morning, I post my uh, notes that are going to be preached from that Sunday morning, uh, which might be helpful to you to follow along or read later or perhaps uh, to help you with your life group homework <laughs> before our community groups meet together. Uh, but if you want to get a daily email whenever I post something new at nateholdridge.com, which is about four or five times each week, um, then you can go to nateholdridge.com slash subscribe and uh, get yourself uh, subscribed to that. And um, thanks for joining me in that way. Also wanted to mention, uh, not only do we have this podcast for you, but um, our team, especially people like Bernard Klingenberg, have done such a fantastic job over the years of taking my individual books of the Bible that I've taught through and making standalone podcasts for each one of those books. So for instance, 
a couple of years ago. I taught through the book of Hebrews. Uh, you can get that at the Calvary Monterey podcast, but if you also just search for Nate Holdridge and Hebrews in your podcast app, or likely even just Hebrews, um, there will uh, be a podcast that pops up that is me teaching through the book of Hebrews. So special thanks to Bernard for working so hard. He's just a real huge part of our team here and has been a real blessing, but that's another way that you can join in with us. And then the last announcement that I'll give is more of an invitation. Uh, if you uh, are enjoying this podcast to go uh, wherever you are subscribing and rate and review the podcast, especially if you're uh, able to go to the Apple website or to Spotify, uh, both of those places are real helpful if you give us a good review uh, to get the word out. Uh, but that's enough for announcements. Uh, my wife, Christina, and I, we've been married since 2001, two. 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 2002. Yeah, that's right. This is 20 years that we've been married. We got three amazing kids. Our oldest daughter, Lauren, is off at college this year. So Christina and I have been dealing with uh, the all the emotions that go with that. And uh, Christina is an amazing uh woman of God and a huge encouragement to me in my life. And I just can't imagine doing so many of the things that I do without her. And also, like I said, we just enjoy being together. We enjoy marriage. We enjoy being friends together. So I'm happy to have her on the show. Welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about marriage, but um, you and me, uh, I haven't really talked to you yet today. And uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we just kind of got going with our day. I was out the door real early this morning, and you've been working real hard today as well. So we said hello for a moment, but um, you haven't been sleeping all that well the last week. I'm yeah, curious. How, better. How, did you sleep okay last yeah, night? Yeah, I did. Okay. Better. I, I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a terrible night of <gasps> sleep last night. Dang it. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know this, but. We like to sleep with, it's not white noise, but it's brown noise. Oh, yeah, I heard it. Yeah. That. So I've been gotta using get this. That figured I, out, I, I got it. I'm committed this weekend. I'm going to figure <laughs> it out. It's been said before, though. No, yeah, but this is it. I'm throwing <laughs> the gauntlet down. I'm not even going to hit play on that. Okay. Ever again. So what, what's happening right now in our house, you guys, is that we sleep with the fan on and uh, we sleep with a, with brown noise on. And brown noise is like white noise. It's a little deeper, I find, a little more soothing. But I play it off of Spotify, and it's this 12-hour track. But because they want you to pay them for a, a pure audio file, at the very beginning of this 12-hour track is this guy named Brandon, who for a minute says, Hey guys, it's Brandon from 12 hour white noise yeah, or whatever. And he like talks to you for a couple of minutes. So all you have to do is slide it past that thing and hit play. And you've got a good 11 hours and 58 minutes of Brown noise. And I've never slept. I mean, I haven't slept 12 hours since I was in high school, uh, in a row. So, uh, or actually COVID, but, uh, I have just been biffing a lot lately. And in the middle of the night, 
It'll be like one. So last night it was one thirty in the morning. I was in the deepest sleep, oh. and I, and on top of that, I was having like these anxiety dreams too, where I was all stressed out. So was it a favor to you to wake up from your anxiety dream? No, it was like this shot of adrenaline, and I couldn't <sighs> go back to sleep. It was like Brandon was in the room with us, you yeah, know, and I just I kind of freaked out. So I got to get that solved. Okay. I'm really sorry about so that. So you're going off of like five hours of sleep now? Yeah, it was a little rough. Oh dear. Yeah. Maybe we should have been recording yeah, this. So this could day. be a really good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start bickering or something. <laughs> so recently we uh, taught taught about marriage to our um, men's and women's study, Jesus Famous Men and Women here right. at Calvary. And we both talked about embracing Christ's vision for marriage. And um we are basing this, uh, you know, off of all of scripture, but we kind of are launching it from Genesis two eighteen, where it says, then the Lord said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Um, but what is the vision for marriage that you and I kind of crafted together based on uh, that verse? Yeah. So what is a biblical vision for marriage or what is our biblical vision for marriage yeah so kind of our um motto we don't have it hanging up in our house over the couch or anything that's but good to, that's <laughs> good to clarify <laughs> kind of our motto has been that uh, christian marriage exists as a way to to glorify god and then to form a deep community and then as a way to help the other person in that community so kind of a threefold vision for marriage those are our those are our things yeah perfect so kind of recapping that the idea is that that simple verse can kind of give us those three major pillars it starts out with god then the lord god said you know he's the inventor of marriage he's the initiator of marriage he wanted it to happen so uh, that gives us the first pillar that it's a way to glorify god we're fulfilling god's design his intention the second phrase helps us know that a lack of community is a problem in God's sight. He said it's not good that the man should be alone. Man was the only one that was there at that point. I'm sure he would have said the same thing about a woman yeah. as well. Um, so the second thing, we want to form a deep community. Um, I don't really like the word deep all that much, but I think it gets the idea across. Yeah. And then the last phrase, I will make him a helper fit for him helps us uh, come to the conclusion uh, for the third pillar of our vision that we're to help the other person inside that community. Um, we're saying it that way intentionally. It's not just that you as the wife are designed to help me, although we do have a big belief and conviction about that. But I also believe that I'm here to help you become right. who God wants you to be as well. So why is it important to develop a biblical scripturally sanctioned, God-ordained, spirit-breathed, divinely designed vision for marriage. What, why is that so important in your mind? Yeah, um, well, I, it's so important because um, God's the one that, that made marriage. He's the author of it. And so that means that he's gonna know best how it works, you know, so scripture, um, is going to tell us how marriage works because God authored scripture and God created marriage. And, um, you know, in that teaching we gave that you were mentioning, I, I used a really, it's just silly and corny, but I think it's helpful, a little corny example. But, um, you know, at home I have this 
avocado pitter in our kitchen. And um, someone gave it to me because of an accident that I, <laughs> a self-inflicted wound. But um, I have this avocado pitter and honestly, it's a really weird looking little kitchen gadget that I would have no idea at first glance, like what it's for, what you use it for, but it had a little, it was attached to a little piece of cardboard that gave me the really clear instructions, the company that made it. And so when I understood what it was made for and all the little parts of it, there's like three purposes for it, actually trifold a thing also, um, then I could use it and use it well. But um, man, if I try to use that avocado pitter for really anything else in the kitchen or anywhere else around the house, it's gonna be a pretty frustrating experience. So it's great when I use it for what it's been made for. And so that's, that's kind of my thing. Why, you know, why do we need to have a, mm. a biblical view of marriage? Well, because God's the one that authored it. So we need to go to the instruction manual that he wrote about it. Otherwise it's just not gonna function properly. Yeah, It's not gonna be all that it was intended to yes. be. I love that. Um, a little guilty pleasure confession here for our podcast listeners, but I was, um, you, you and me, we, we have dabbled a little bit in that Netflix show, Indian matchmaking. Right. Yeah. With Seema so from Mumbai. Yeah. And, uh, it's a show about this woman who's a professional matchmaker and pretty much wealthy Indian families from the States and from India will hire her to try to arrange a marriage but it's not quite like the old school arranging where they never see each other these young people are dating and checking each other out for a little bit and all that kind of stuff but she's kind of got her portfolio and everything and it, and uh, uh, I will admit that I was thinking about using a, a line from that show <laughs> in, a, in a sermon recently yeah so I I was looking up like the details about the show just to make sure that I got it right if I used oh, yeah. it and I came across reviews for the show and oh. i was astounded because it was like terrible reviews <gasps> like whatever whatever review oh, no. platform i came across it was like two and a half stars or something oh tons gosh. of one star reviews and the thing that's so funny about the show is that all throughout it she the matchmaker just keeps saying she's a little older and she just keeps saying this this current generation their 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 demands are just too high like what they're sure. looking for and she's always telling them you need to be ready to compromise. And she says that to the men and to the women. But the reviews, it was just scathing from so many oh young people gosh, who just wow. said, how dare you say that I should compromise in any way? Wow. And it was just like, oh, wow, you guys don't. Th this to me, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you're saying Part of the reason why we want to have biblical version vision for marriage yeah. is because if we don't understand why and how God made it, we're going to use it incorrectly. Right. And as God looked at Adam, Adam is not yet complete. He's a man. He's, he, you know, God sees that he's alone. It's not good. He's so God divides Adam up, so to speak, takes from him, doesn't create Eve from the dust of the ground but from Adam's side so something now is missing from this man he cannot fully express who God is alone he needs people to compliment him in the expression or imaging of God and Eve is going to help him do that right but to think you know, like that logic without that understanding you just go like I have everything that 
is needed. I have everything that needs to be offered. I mean, the line that I wanted to quote was from that one girl who said, how how can I be the only one who has everything that I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just astounding to me. But that's so good. We want to understand what God says about marriage because God made it and it's his instrument and we want to use it correctly. And a huge part of what marriage is is to help us grow and to become more Christ-like and mm-hmm. to be um, challenged in uh, who we are. And if we don't understand that, man, every time that we're, we come up against something that's uncomfortable or that pushes us beyond our limits or causes us to have mm-hmm. to sacrifice or compromise, we're going to be believing the lines of the culture that say, you should never be compromising. You should never let down your expectations. You should never let down what you want. You need to find someone who is willing to do those things. Now, surely there's imbalance in plenty of marriages, but sure. I think a biblical perspective about marriage helps us with that. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe I'm just restating what you're saying in, a, in one sense, but I just think you're going to be so frustrated. In part, you're going to be so frustrated and dissatisfied with your marriage if you don't have a biblical vision for it almost whether you're married, I mean, whether you're a believer or not, Hmm. because God's the one that made it. So he's the one that knows how it works best. Um, But because it's like, if you're trying to follow any other model, at the most, you're getting like a tiny portion of the intention of marriage. You might get a little glimmer or a glimpse or a portion Hmm. of what marriage was meant to be. But if you're embracing the biblical vision for marriage, then it's not like it's going to be easy. It's not like it's going to be always hitting on all cylinders or everything's going to be going great all the time. But you're, if you're embracing God's vision for marriage, then the likelihood that it will be a satisfying experience because you're doing it as it's intended is just so much higher. Mm. You're using it for what it's made for. You're, you're operating the tool as it's designed. So mm-hmm. just your, even your, even if it's for your own personal self-interest, you're going to be more satisfied by your marriage if you align yourself with a biblical view of it. So yeah, that's well said. And that kind of leads us to the first of the three statements that we made about how we want to glorify God, because uh, kind of what you're saying is, you know, at least in part is we're we're recognizing that we get our deepest fulfillment from God. Right. And that is such a huge gift to any marriage, you know, to take the pressure off of finding our deepest joy and satisfaction and fulfillment from the marriage, from the family, from Mm -hmm. another person and realizing that we find it from the Lord. So the way we kind of said it was we want to glorify God. A Christian marriage will seek to glorify God by cultivating an environment that encourages a love for God. God deserves our worship and is the only being worth centering our lives upon. Your spouse cannot handle the crushing weight of your worship, but you can build your life upon God. So I think this first one, you know, it can be, it can kind of sound a little bit funny, like, Marriage is intended to glorify God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know why it sounds that way. I, 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 th- I think maybe it sounds funny because it almost feels to me like a religious sounding person is saying something like that. Like there's you know? no joy in it, no fun in it. it. Not that 
that's what they would mean by that. But exactly. it, it steals all the passion, romance, joy, fun. It, it doesn't sound that way. Yeah, precisely. So why is marriage, uh, why, why are we saying this? Why is marriage first, are we saying, it's intended to glorify God? Well, I mean, the way that I like to think about it is that um, everything God made was intended to bring him glory. Everything that God designed and made, creation, people, marriage, all these things, he made them to image himself, to show off who he is, his beauty, his wisdom, his truth, his greatness, his goodness, his character, his nature. He Everything he made, uh, what is it, Colossians... 116? Yeah, Colossians 116 says, you know, all things were made by him and all things were made for him. And I really read into that a little bit like for his glory. They were made for his glory to show off his greatness. And so, you know, there's big ways that marriage can do that, like the structure of marriage shows off God's greatness. But then there's like a million small daily Hmm. ways that we can glorify God in our marriage. So let's talk about that. What are, what are some of those ways that we can, let's try to make this tangible, you know, what, for sure. What does that mean? You know, how can our marriage glorify God? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's the big picture, there's a big picture of marriage and that's just that it's a covenant relationship. And so when we're faithful in our marriage, when we're treating our marriage as a, um, I'm with you no matter what until the end, not a contractual relationship, but a covenant relationship. In one sense, we're sort of imaging God's covenant relationship to his people. Mm. And um, I just think that's beautiful. I don't know that people are always connecting those dots, you know, outside of church, outside of Christian community, maybe even within Christian community. I don't know that people are looking at marriage and going, oh, wow, God's so <laughs> faithful because they're faithful to each other. Yeah. But it's at least a paralleled picture of yeah. like God's covenant relationship with us. We have a covenant relationship with each other. That's the goal. That's the aim of marriage is a covenant, you know, like I said, no matter what kind of relationship. So that's one way is faithfulness to your marriage, your covenant, treating it as a covenant. So I think that's a big way that you. Yeah, kind of- that's so good. That 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 uh, concept that you know our faithfulness to each other and and what does that faithfulness look like? Like sometimes that faithfulness requires patience. It requires grace. It requires sure. mercy. And of course, we're not ever displaying it exactly like God does because even in my guiltiest moments i'm not dealing with a sinless spouse no matter how great you are yep but god is patient with us and long-suffering towards us and he's always pure there's never any like well god this is like a 80 20 situation here i'm 80 percent guilty but you could come my way 20 percent as is the case a lot of times when it comes to to marital stuff but and I, and I get what you mean. Like, who knows how many how many people are looking at that and seeing like, wow, look how faithful they are to each other. That must be what their God is like. 
Uh, I don't know how often that happens. I don't know, you know but... I've heard people preaching Ephesians 5.32, which talks about, you know, Paul says, you know, the, the mystery of marriage is profound. And I'm saying that it, it pertains to or refers to Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the concept there is the faithfulness of a husband and wife to each other, the way that they relate yeah. to each other is somehow preaching the message of the gospel. I've heard it declared pretty boldly at times, yeah. you know, where it's like that. But... I sometimes wonder if the reason that I um, am suspicious that like, is that really what it's saying that it's supposed that it is this strong communicator of who God is. Sometimes I wonder if the reason that I think that is because I'm a product of my generation and we're just like swimming among all these like lame marriages Mm -hmm. just that aren't very impressive and and (laughs) aren't like, they just like, well, they might be together. But are yeah. they really like reeking of God's goodness and grace and faithfulness? Yeah. So what a thing to be striving for, you know, to glorify God in that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously there's other ways. So that's kind of like a big Yeah, that's like a big thing. picture. So what are some other ways that we can be glorifying God together in yeah. marriage? Or, or things that you and I have done? Yeah, okay, well sort of to categorize it in my mind and sort of this was how I talked about it in that teaching. I think there's like that big picture and then there's a thousand small ways that we can show off who God is in our marriage, the way we talk to each other, the way we handle conflict, the way we manage our money, the way we um, take care of our time. And I mean, a thousand ways every day, right? Mm -hmm. But that ability to glorify God in those moments is only ever going to be able to come if we do the things like loving God first, like pursuing sanctification. Um, those things are those um, ways to show off God's goodness in how I talk to you or handle a frustration. They're going to come because I'm going to glorify God in that moment because I've spent time with God. His nature is becoming more Hmm. um, a part of me. I've prioritized being with him, worshiping him, learning about him. I've prioritized pursuing sanctification, confessing sin. That's kind of how I think of it. So I don't know. You have a puzzled look on your face. No, no, that's great. I'm just, I'm I'm tracking with you, just kind of absorbing and and thinking about it. Processing it a little bit. Yeah. So... Um, so maybe like fill in this blank for me then, like, uh, what are some of the habits and things yeah. that like, okay, so, uh, a couple that is seeking to glorify God, what, what are some of the things that they'll do? Yeah. So they're definitely going to prioritize, you know, just straight up loving God. And, and as we're talking about that, we're talking about that in the most like, practical way. So we're going to have quiet times and we're going to help each other make room for a devotional life. And we're going to, um, prioritize going to church together and we're going to prioritize reading books, um, separately or together, like loving God, mm-hmm. uh, making him, uh, recognizing that he is worth pursuing and learning about and worshiping and all of that. So some of those practical things, that are attached to loving God. That's, that's one of them. Does yeah. that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I think maybe, um, 
I, I think at, well I've got you here. Yeah. You know, just thinking about like, okay, I, I'm a husband. I'm coming at it from the man angle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're a woman. You you minister to women. You talk with women. You know lots of women. I'm curious, like, not to make it too vulnerable or or anything, but what are some of the what are some of the pain or pressure points that maybe a woman can have that, that seem to be kind of like common themes when it comes to, cause I, I think a, a lot of people want to have this. They want to have a marriage that glorifies God. They want God to be at the center of their marriage, but one spouse or the other is not like really all in mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be discouraging. And over the years, uh, I'll just say like, I think I've talked to more, women than men who Mm -hmm. have said, I really want this so badly. I want my marriage to be about the Lord, but my spouse is just not there. Yeah. Normally that you hear that from a woman rather than a man. And why is that? And what is it that they're longing for? And what's like a word of counsel or help for them? Yeah. That's, that's discouraging, isn't it? Um, I mean, I probably Sorry, have a, <laughs> no, no, it's like, I have a lot of things to say about that. And my, there's like one part of me that I've had conversations with women like that. And this is not the main answer, but just as a little side answer, I've had conversations with women like that, where then I ask them to describe in detail or a little more detail what they're talking about and their expectations of what it means for their husband to love Jesus or what it looks like their interpretation of that. I'm like, man, that's unfair and unrealistic and just like your own interpretation, like you're coloring in those lines way too detailed and making this way too hyper-specific what it means for your husband to love God and follow God. Like, does he do, does he go to church? Does he read his Bible? Does he confess sin? Does he pray? Like he's doing really good. It just might not look like, you know, what you think it should look like or right. so the a little expectation bit of, you have. Yeah. So that's not every woman for sure. There, But are you women. always kind of want to do that first, like a little yes. bit of a reality check. Like, Hey, let's run a diagnostic here. Yeah. That's a good it, way to are say the, it. Are there expectations that maybe are just a little bit uh, extreme that yeah. you're looking for. Like oh, right. I'd really love for my husband to lead me in like a daily verse by verse Bible study or something right. like We're that. We're not having family communion every twice a week, you know, right. like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be cool, but that's not a must. Yeah. And <laughs> you the know? thing is like, there's a proliferation of great ideas that are out there Yeah. because you know, there's lots of people like me with a microphone that can, you know, talk about stuff. Yeah. So there's all these great ideas that are out there, but that doesn't mean that it's like in the Bible. Exactly. You know, so you're talking about, wow, like if they're the, those core things are there, you gotta like trust the Lord with the details. For sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's That's, great. Mo- that's more minor. That's yeah. definitely not the major thing, yeah. you know? Um, I think I probably have three answers to this. And secondly, I think a lot of women get hung up when um, they themselves are, you know, you're saying they're, they're disappointed in their spouse's um, spiritual life, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes I think 
not only might their expectations be high, but sometimes I think they're trying to get too much from their spouse themselves. Uh. You know, and I think there's this Piper quote that is just so John Piper quote that's just so true and beautiful to me. Piper five seventeen. <laughs> he says, you know, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Mm. And it's not like the thing that's beautiful about that is God is so able to satisfy us. It's not like discipline yourself to try to eat your vegetables so that you have a good meal. It's like, no, God is this giant feast with all these flavors and like goodies. And if you partake of him, the kind of satisfaction you're going to experience is so rich and full and deep in contrast to any human relationship. And so I think sometimes women feel that way in marriage in general, but sometimes in this scenario, they feel like a sense of longing and a lack of connection spiritually with their spouse because they're not actually finding their own satisfaction with the Lord. They're not experiencing him and tapping into what they could be with the Lord himself. And they're putting a lot of pressure and weight on their spouse. Right. Um, Yeah. Your husband is called in the word to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But that doesn't mean that he is Christ yeah, to you. Exactly. You still need to go to the Lord and get those things from him. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's good. And then, of course, there's the obvious and really sad and true reality that sometimes you're married to someone who is either a nominal yeah. Christian or isn't a believer at all. You got saved later or is just up and down in their yeah. faith or is struggling. Maybe they're struggling with doubt. They're struggling with sin. And that's a whole other ball, ball of wax, can of worms. (laughs) Um, And to those women, you know, I would say that I'm sorry and that that's a really challenging experience and to tap into their relationship with the Lord and then to tap into, you know, praying for their husband and and then um, without nagging (laughs) and without being pushy trying to encourage their husband in, in um, coming to church or reading the Bible. But I don't know. There's just such a fine line between, you know, like that whole without a word thing in mm-hmm. First Peter. Just It's First Peter, and yeah. right? It just always comes to my mind like, uh, I just have not seen a lot of women <laughs> win that in that category with a word. Yeah. So I'm, I, I tread lightly in that area, but I know prayer is huge. I know community for themselves and a support system for themselves is huge. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about first Peter three verse one, that wives are to be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So yeah, Yeah. without a word, that is a, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a phrase that'll haunt you, you know, when you're in that, when you're in that season. And I, I think from, from my standpoint, I mean, we know a lot of people that, you know, it can, it can feel that way. It can feel like an unequal yoke at times, mm. you know, it can feel like, man, I just, I, I want to love the Lord. I want to pursue him. And uh, my spouse is just not all there, or all in. You, you just need to be praying. You need to be patient. But I, I will, you know, say to the husbands, I will say to the men, you know, you, you don't have to be anybody else. You need to be you who mm-hmm. cried the, you know, the Jesus version submitted to, 
God version, the sanctified growing version of, of you. That's who you need to be. But I want to encourage you to be that spiritual leader in your home, you know, be the one that is modeling for your bride. And if you have them, your children, uh, what it looks like to be a daily seeker of God, be the kind of person who shows them what it's like to prioritize Christian relationships and friendships, who regularly is confessing sin, be the kind of man that leads them to a church, be the kind of guy who has a real serious interest in the quality of the church that you're part of mm-hmm. and the quality of the preaching that you're under and the legitimacy of the kind of Christianity that your wife and your children are going to be uh, experiencing as a result of your leadership decision on where you're going to go to church, like be involved in that. You don't need to be dictatorial. You don't need to be the only one who has a comment. If your kids are like, dad, we hate this church. It's so boring. They're they're you know, that I, I, we have to sit there for, for 70 minutes, listening to this guy, talk to us. Like if listen to what they have to say, listen yeah, to what you're into consideration. Just, take it into consideration, but don't just, uh, delegate that to your wife mm-hmm. or to your children and, uh, you know, be the guy that, that is, um, saying, you know what, we're going to, we're going to be a marriage. We're going to be a family that centers ourselves upon the Lord. It might feel awkward to you, especially if it's not something that's been part of your life in the past and you're bound to do some clunky, weird, funky things in yeah. your zeal to be obedient to the Lord. That's how everybody is when they're first starting out, just trying to walk with God. You just do and say some funky things, but try to go through it with humility. But you're the man for the job. There's nobody else that's gonna take this role. There's nobody else. I mean, there might be men that are willing, but don't let them. You are the man for that job. So just wanted to to reach in and and encourage in in that direction yeah so any other you know on this category ways to glorify god that that you want to touch on or talk about i mean you you i know in your teaching on this you talked about a lot of different things yeah we talked i did talk about a lot of different things but i mean i guess secondly um you and I have just sort of established there's like the loving God part and then there's the pursuing sanctification part. Right. And I think that's pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a huge way to glorify God. That's a right? huge yeah. way to glorify God. I mean. So first, what yeah. sanctification, what is that? Yeah. Sanctification is increasingly looking like Jesus. So sin is getting dealt with in your life and he's changing you mm-hmm. um, over time from glory to glory like the verse says, to be, to look more like him. So whether it's smoothing out your rough edges or dealing and confronting with sin, it's all of that process of becoming more like Jesus. Hmm. So the idea here is that your spouse can help you become more like Jesus. Yeah. I mean, in one sense, sometimes you're pursuing sanctification together, like, uh, it's not just the confrontational part of it. Like you're, you're if yeah. you're saying your spouse <laughs> can help you look more like you. It's not always a sandpaper experience. <laughs> no, it's not always, although that's a valid way. Like, yeah. hey, 
I mean, that's a huge benefit. But you're right. A lot of it is that encouraging each other in the direction that we know that we want to go in. Yeah, I mean, that's that, a great way to say that's it. That's been a really huge part of your connection to me. Like I've benefited from that so many times because, you know, there's the commitments that we make. There's the stuff that we know that we want to be about, the stuff that we know that we want to do, the, the design of life that we sort of envision for mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, that's like, hey, this is... This is what it looks like to me to follow after God, to be a man after God's own heart. But there's always pressures against that. Right. Some of the pressures are real sinful, you know, evil kind of things. And some of them are just like, they, they don't feel as evil. They right. still are, but it's just slothful, distracted, you know, yes. lazy kind of things. And to have someone else in your life that's not just like, hard for you to deal with so you have exactly. to become more patient like Jesus but is also like lovingly supportive of the better commitments that you've made mm-hmm. that's just such a huge blessing yeah so it, you kind of are helping each other pursue Jesus yeah. and to let Jesus be the one that's changing and shaping you is that what you're yeah 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 not just pursue Jesus like in a devotional kind of worshipful kind of way but pursue Jesus like you know, we, we do this kind of thing, I don't know, on the regular, it feels like, where it's like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm really struggling in the way that I'm talking to this daughter. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm having a hard time. There may be things she needs to grow in, but what I'm doing is not okay. And I just, you know, I need you to pray for me. And just even putting it out there and making it an ongoing conversation, it's like a way that we're pursuing sanctification with each other. We're prioritizing it. We're saying this is honorable and important for us to acknowledge where we're wrong, to acknowledge where we're falling short, and to tap into the not just the forgiveness, but mm. the help that Jesus can give us, you know, yeah. but we're like making it a public thing yeah. between the two of us. And I think that's a, a part of it. Yeah. So I love that because it's so um, it requires a level of openness yeah. with your spouse that you kind of like, I, I know when we're having those conversations on that level, yeah, the way I feel is like, I'm not talking with anybody else like this really, right. you know, this is, this is the, the deepest level of heart re- revelation yeah. that, that I, I will do, you know, I mean, I know everybody's all about transparency and authenticity and all that <laughs> kind of stuff these days, but there's just an appropriate level of that. Sure. And so, you know, as close as I am with a couple of guys that love Jesus, as close as I am with the pastors that are here in this fellowship, as close as I am with lots of pastors that are outside of our community and as vulnerable and as open as I'll be in those environments, it's not like when you and me are talking about those kind of things. Yeah. And then the regularity with which we're supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That can really help us in our sanctification, yeah. not as like some big confrontation, no, yeah, but as an encouragement, you know, and it's, it's more like affirming the direction that we want to go in. Yeah. 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 That's great. And that. That really ties in with having that daily time with the Lord because it's there that a lot of those like epiphanies can come. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, oh, yeah, I have been a little rough with this kid, or I can just feel myself angered, and it's like showing up in my quiet time. You know, yeah. so I think that the more we invite each other into those things, 
it's almost like we're giving the Holy Spirit a place to work because <laughs> mm. it's like confessing, you know, it's like bringing sin into the light. It's like confessing to one another. It's like, I'm just giving the Holy Spirit one more, uh, op- not just opportunity, like in that moment, but I'm just like cracking myself open one more time to just like give God room to work. And so it's like, I, th- I would encourage couples out there, and I'm continuing to work on this myself, that w- that those things that we're sharing with, that you would share with a spouse and invite them into, it's not just like the big things. Mm. It's not just like, whoa, internet pornography <laughs> kind of topics. Right. Obviously, I want you to be sharing that with your spouse, but I'm talking about those like daily little convictions of the Holy Spirit mm. that you're like, you know, this is an ongoing thing for me. I'm not making good use of my time. I'm getting up late every day. I'm, you know, talking to a child the wrong way, like littler things that you're just putting in the light with your spouse, inviting Jesus and, um, your spouse into that situation. I just think it's really, I think marriage is a beautiful opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a special place because they know you, they see you, they love you. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It should be a, a safe, safe place. Yeah. A safe space. Mm. So just thinking about this then, and I can tell we're not going to get through the other two today, which is fine. <laughs> I thought that might happen. Yeah, we'll just have you back in to I'm talk so about chatty. pillar two and pillar three. So we'll just stick with this, you know, first okay. pillar of our, our vision statement, you know, to glorify God. And we'll talk about forming a deep community and helping each other. We'll talk about those at another time. But so thinking about this, like, okay, glorifying God, what are some obstacles in your mind to seeing this uh, come about? What are, what are things that get in the way of this? You know, because we have these good intentions. Mm-hmm. We want to be a couple that's, you know, about Jesus, pursuing him, glorifying God. Uh, but, you know, there's life. It, you know, it, th- these, these sound like great ideas, but we're, we're not all monks living on a monastery mm-hmm. with just all this time to just pray and have solitude and read books and talk about our feelings and what God is doing inside of us. We got kids to get to school and practices and we got bills to pay. We have jobs we have to do, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been ministering here in this church for you know, 20 years at this point or more than 20 years, I think, uh, 23 years, I've uh, been 15 years in as the senior pastor and I've observed a total change in the population over that length of time. You know, even when I first began, you know, serving here, people's lives were not as full. They weren't as distracted. There wasn't as many, weren't as many entertainment options that kind of engulfed them. People weren't as tired at nighttime, you know, to like come to like a church event or a midweek Bible study Mm -hmm. or something like that. And now it's really hard for people to do things like that. You know, a lot of people are just like, I just want to go home, you know, at the end of the day because they're just so tired and beat down. And Mm -hmm. so real life can kind of, can kind of get in the way at times, you know, from this like prioritization of having God as the first in your life and marriage, how many couples out there, you know, on a a Sunday morning comes and it's not the easiest thing in the world to to wake up, have your alarm go off, get up, 
get the family ready and mm-hmm. come to church, maybe even serve at church. Like that's mm-hmm. a, a can be a hard thing for people to do. And so the temptation is always there, you know, to, to fudge and to say, you know what, I, I feel fine right now. So I don't need to pour into that part yeah. of my life. So in your mind, as I'm asking this long winded question, what are some of the things that are obstacles to you? Uh, to glorifying God in marriage. Yeah. I mean, I think you're kind of Im- implying some right there, right? Sure. <laughs> you're yeah. not looking for the, the bible answer of like the world, the devil, and the flesh or whatever. You're talking about like the the practical hurdles that get in the way, not my sin Yeah, nature. I mean, but the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are a part of that. <laughs> yeah, I they yeah. are. My sin, myself, my flesh, it gets yeah. in the way of glorifying God. Um, but... Yeah. Okay. Wait, repeat the question. So what are some other things that get in the way? What are some, what's a major, major obstacles to glorifying God in marriage? Okay. Well, I think, uh, wrong priorities is probably like, Mm. you could say misordered loves. You could also just say misordered priorities sometimes it just ends up looking like that but um you know some so i'm thinking like well there's like over busyness people are committing to too many things but like what does that come from well that comes from having a wrong priority and that wrong priority is that you know my kids should be able to be involved in 17 activities in a week and like that's just one little thing but the bottom line is that happening means you can't make it to church and they can't make it to youth group or you have to get up so early and go to bed so late you're so tired you can't have a quiet time or your quiet time is just garbage because you're just like exhausted all Mm -hmm. the time you know so it's like these little decisions that you don't want to get all narrow and legalistic and be like your kids can't be on a soccer team or that means you don't love god but I think you have to I like think that of voice like, you did right there, <laughs> by the way. I just think you have to think of like, well, what's the root? Like, what are you, what are you, uh, over busyness can get in the way of, um, loving God. Wrong priorities can get in the way of, of loving God in your marriage. Um, I don't know. Those are the first ones that come to my mind. Yeah, those are good. So yeah. I, I think for me, again, just encouraging everybody or exhorting everybody, you know, Hey, like, be hands-on with designing your life. Yes. You are the one that needs to declare what the budget of your life and time is going to look like. And so, you know, Jesus, you know, they, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Well, it was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself is like it and right behind it. And so to take a look at those commissions and to, to believe that, okay, so that is the best, most beautiful version of life that there is. And to be convinced about that in your heart, not this like, well, you know, I know that's what Jesus says, but surely it's way better if it's all about me. Um, be convinced that the life yeah. that is designed to, to look like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in your neighbor also, be convinced that that is a beautiful life. And also be convinced that it's not just a feeling That's what I was that a person say. has. Yeah, you know, it's not I an feel emotion. like I love God. I feel like I love my neighbor. Yeah. It's about it, it's how you spend your life. Yep. And to be able to look back at the end of your life and and to say, you know, I know I didn't do it perfectly. I know that there's things I could have been so much better in, 
Um, but in general, I loved God with the way I spent my life and I loved others with the way I spent my life. It wasn't just a feeling that I had or something that I knew I was going to get around to at some point. It was for sure the cornerstone of who I was. And, uh, so I, my, my, that's my encouragement, you know, is, is, or exhortation is a better word. Be about designing your life, take charge mm -hmm. of your life. There are certainly things that can go. There are certainly sacrifices that sometimes you have to make. Um, there are decisions that you have to, to make. And especially if you're a husband, I'd encourage you, you know, sometimes when you're making these types of decisions, you're not going to get this full buy-in by everybody in your home all the time, you know, <laughs> where, um, your kids are going to say, yeah, dad, you know, like, it's just amazing when you read us a proverb and tell us your thoughts about it in the morning time. Like we love that. That's the best. Thank you. Like maybe when they're 40 years old, they're going to thank you yeah. for that, but probably not while you're doing it or saying, guys, we're, you know, sorry, like this, this, uh, sports team they you, you're we're not gonna be able to go to church for like four months if you're on that like we can't have that be a regular part of our lives i'd be negligent in my leadership to take you out of fellowship for that long for that that's not going to be these aren't popular things but uh, if you wanted to be popular you shouldn't have been, been a parent now this is a parenting podcast uh -oh. <laughs> but that, that's my encouragement is, mm. hey, you know, the, obviously there are some things that are outside of our control, but when we're talking about things that get in the way that are in our control, we'd encourage you, hey, um, don't let that thing get in the way. But I think not only are we talking about life stuff, we're also talking about sin, right? I mean, yeah, sin sure. keeps us from glorifying God in Big time. our marriages. Yes. And you talked about that a little bit in your teaching that you gave, but... That's another huge one yeah. that, uh, that gets in the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's why that pursuing of sanctification is just so key. And, and you know, that, that means a few different things. If you are in a marriage where, um, it's not a safe space, <laughs> um, that a marriage that's like got a tone to it, that's hypercritical, mm. that is overly emotional with every, you know, sin that you commit that is, um, I don't know, just like flabbergasted by the smallest failures. If there's not a culture of grace and, um, willing, like an awareness of the reality that we are all sinners in need of mm -hmm. a savior, you know, if that's not the culture in your home, then like, man, Pursuing sanctification is going to be a little bit of a more isolated experience if you are trying to do it, because you're probably only going to be confessing to Jesus and then maybe people outside of your marriage. So even in those things of like sin, getting in the way of glorifying God, that's what we're talking about, you know, um, a culture where you can talk about sin. And that's hard sometimes. We've experienced it ourselves, you know, because sin in marriage can be personal and against one another. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit raw and personal, but still striving to create a culture that is willing to, um, be full of grace. Um, yeah, I think that helps with, 
um, the sin issue and bringing glory to God in your marriage. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. So we're coming up on an hour. So I was thinking this is probably a good time to wrap it up. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. That wasn't a really good landing spot right there, but why not? I don't know. It's just kind of random, but yeah, sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to say? Oh man. I'm still, I'm landing it. That was a little bit abrupt. Yeah. That was kind of like I put down the landing gear real quick and you didn't have your seatbelt fastened yet. So <laughs> as we come to a conclusion Do you have anything to else? the, the oh. podcast, I think a, maybe a thing that I would ask just to wrap it up before I ask you a couple yeah. of concluding, concluding questions is um, when it comes to, you know, putting God first in mm-hmm. our marriage, what are some, um, are, are there any like practical advice, like tips that you have for people that would be helpful to them. Like, okay, here's, here's like a good first move that I can make. Cause this can kind of sound overwhelming almost, you know, like, Oh my gosh, like if that's not who I've been, how do I do this? So what are some like, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the phrase or the idea, a key, a keystone habit, like a habit that unlocks Uh other habits. What are some of those that you might have to, to help, um, whether it's just the, the wives or marriages in general, uh, some keystone habits that are like, you know, lock this in yeah, and this will help, uh, uh, kind of have a domino effect of some other effects or impacts in your life. Yeah. Well, I think you're never going to hear us not talk about you and me, us to not talk about having your own devotional life. And that's probably one of those keystone habits. And I think it's kind of the kind of thing where you just got to own it yourself, Mm. (laughs) you know, and even if your spouse is not in a regular habit of doing that or doesn't even do that ever, um, pursuing Jesus in his word and in prayer every single day Mm. and getting help from people who are mature or wise around you that have loved Jesus and walked with Jesus for a long time as to like some helpful ways to read the Bible, how to Mm -hmm. feel like you're getting something Mm -hmm. out of the Bible, how to pray. Here's some tips on prayer, you know, talking Mm -hmm. to other people, reading a book about that, reading maybe some good resources, but yeah, keystone um, core tip would be every day. Mm-hmm. with Jesus, just yeah. prayer and his word. Yeah. Know? Done correctly. That can lead to so many other things that mm-hmm. will have great impact on your marriage. And then for me, I think a keystone habit that I'd mention is, and I've talked about this ad nauseum on this particular episode, but a regular faithful commitment to your local church. Yep. Just make that a locked in rock solid part of your life. You know, studies are showing that most Christians uh, these days are professed Christians in the United States. Their church attendance is, is, uh, not very regular. And that has a deleterious negative effect on your life, your walk with God, your soul. You just never know what you're, you're missing out on for one, the weeks that you're not there Two, nothing can replace a digital experience. So if you're like, well, I'm just going to listen to the church's podcast, you know, during the week, that's better than nothing. And if you have to miss, I'd encourage you to at least do that. But it's not the same as being surrounded with the people. You know, I'm talking about Psalm 9 this next weekend at the church. I'll have already done it by the time this 
episode airs, but I talk about Bonhoeffer saying that when we sing to God corporately, it's not me singing, it's us singing. I'm getting connected to my identity as part of God's church. When I'm just there, I'm seeing all these different generations. It has more of an impact on your soul being there than you could ever know. So, and that, uh, Keystone habit leads to so many other things, mm-hmm. connections, relationships, opportunities. I mean, even just the announcements are going to be filled with like discipleship opportunities that you could grab a hold sure. of, but yeah. you're probably not going to reach some of those next steps and levels without that commitment in your uh, life. I don't know many people who have ever said, you know, I met this person and they said, I'm a Christian and I don't need the church. You know, I got Jesus, I got my Bible, I don't need the church. And you know what? They were a delightful person. (laughs) (laughs) Usually it's followed by, they're just the crankiest person. You know, they're just not fun to be around. So we need the church, we need each other. All right, wrapping this up. Yeah. uh, And I thought I would ask you, uh, and I asked you in advance, uh, for a book recommendation on marriage mm-hmm. uh, from your perspective. I'll give one uh, after you, but what's yours? Yeah. Probably, I'm trying to still get into the habit of reading marriage books, but this was my, um, so far, I have never found a book better than um, Tim and Kathy Keller's book yeah. called The I Meaning knew you were of going Marriage. There. Yeah, I, I thought you would know. Yeah, Tim and Kathy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. Um, I'm sure new stuff good is going to be out there, good stuff, but that's my, at this point in life, all-time favorite marriage yeah, book. as is Vintage Keller. It's very thorough. And oh, it's so practical. It's so self-revealing. Not self-revealing on their end. It's so, like, helps you to see yourself. Yeah, I don't mean thorough in, in a negative way yeah. at all. It's not it's, scholastic. It's like you can just keep reading it yeah. over and over again because there's just so so much helpful, like, it, the different pockets and seasons of marriage that you're in. So yep. it's a great one. So the... Meaning of Marriage by Tim and Kathy Keller. Yep. Okay, great. Um, Mine, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit, and I'm just going to give one to the husbands. Okay. Um, So this one's not particularly about marriage alone, although he talks a lot about marriage in the book, but it's called Run to Win by Tim Challies. And uh, we'll put the titles and the authors uh, and links to these books in the show notes, so you can just click on that. But... Run to Win is the title that comes, you know, from the biblical concept that Paul talked about a lot about running the race that's set before us, running in a way that we can win, you know, setting aside all the, you know, the Hebrews concept as well, you know, setting aside the sin that besets us, running the race to win. And his premise in the book, it's it's a men's book. It's for men. And his premise in the book is that a lot of times men in the Christian faith will run it in a real haphazard kind mm-hmm. of way. Like you're not running to win. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of haphazardly going through the race. And so it's a very practical, short, dense read on how to run to win. I I gave it a four out of five when I read it the first time. Mm-hmm. And But then I found as I've been teaching about Jesus' famous men, I find myself quoting it a lot. Mm. So I think it just has, has had actually more of an impact and is actually better than I originally thought. But... You guys, marriage is uh, incredibly important, um, and I think it, I think Christian marriage is going to become more important as the years go by. I think it will become more of a witness to our world. 
I read a couple of years ago a book by a researcher named Mark Regner. It's kind of an academic book about the future of Christian marriage. It's just filled with stats and numbers and data. It's not really like for Christian marriages okay. to be edified by. But um, his whole thing as a researcher and a statistician was to try to figure out where the world's perspective on marriage is going to take marriage. Mm. What is the future of marriage? And then, so what should the future of Christian marriage be? And he said, how central is marriage to the future of Christian faith and practice? Very, I argue. Can it recede in popularity without damaging the reproduction of the faith? Not much. Christianity thrives in part because it organizes and channels human sexual relationships. And he goes on to say some really interesting things about what marriage is. So uh, this is a huge subject. Yeah. And it probably will be one of the biggest things that makes us different and weird in the years to come. So if you want to be an exilic Christian or Christian at all in the culture that we live in, you got to have and develop a biblical vision for marriage. So Preach. Thanks, honey, for being part of yeah. this. And uh, we'll get you back on at some point to talk about the other uh, two the, the, pillars. The, the other pillars that we, we missed today. Mm-hmm.